0: Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMayo.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to October. If you're listening to this in
0: October. <laughs> what what if they're not? Welcome to the month you're in. Hey, let's just go through do do that like twelve times. Do each of the months and then we'll cover them. We don't want anyone left out on this show. So, you know, they have
1: past, present, and future. Do you know why right now is called the present? No.
0: Because it's a gift and you want to do the best you can with it. Oh, thanks, Oprah. Aww. That's really sweet. Aww. Hey, a daily Also, talking of sweet, joining me today is Melissa Kavanaugh.
2: I'm pretty sure I've never been called that before. Thanks,
0: Stuart. <laughs> Oh, right, I talking, happy talking happy of home. bitter and dead inside, Melissa Kavanaugh. <laughs>
2: <ho.
0: laughs> oh, you are a little salty today. You you were just railing on Phil before we started recording about his pronunciation. I was. Do You want it, to explain it, explain? This a, is this is maybe the biggest controversy since uh, Roas versus R O A S.
2: It's a it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart because it involves chocolate and peanut butter. And uh, it's about Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, because that is the proper way to pronounce Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, not Apparently Reese's.
3: Apparently me saying Reese's, my entire life has been wrong.
2: Yes, you have been wrong your entire life. You need to go back and redo it.
3: Thank you for correcting me. In joining
0: us today is the very wrong, Phil Fariska. Yeah.
3: <laughs> only on the pronunciation of Reese's.
0: Hey, I'll, I'll check with Alyssa to see if that's the only thing you're wrong on. <laughs> No, don't do (laughs) that. Okay, good. Well, you got the Fueligan Dream Team today, and we are going to be talking about some fun stuff related to cookies. Yum, 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 yum. And you've probably seen in the news there's a lot of, we're doing what we do. This, this, This irks me. You know how Trump always complains about fake news? I feel like I'm turning into the guy that always complains about the hospitality media because we just sensationalize everything, and we create these monsters that aren't real. Like how many times has SEO died? We talked about that on the show, you know, like mobile getting and things like that. It's it's happening again, and not just in hospitality, but marketers the world over are freaking out because it's the death of the third party cookie. Dun, 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 dun,
3: dun,
0: dun. So, you know, it this is a confusing one because it kind of gets a little technical and it kind of gets a little bit above 101 level marketing. So we're going to do our best to kind of keep it. You know, as basic as we can today, but give you what you need. And then in true Fuligan style, we're going to give you some tangible takeaways that you can implement as well. So third-party cookies is the topic today. But before we get into that, let's see what's going on in the news a
1: With hotel marketing, I cannot
0: lose. Now
1: it's time for your news <laughs> <What laughs> The
0: country version. What was that?
1: I don't know. I'm enjoying Friday, and that came out. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. I love it, man. And you're allowed to do that accent because you live in South Carolina, so it's not offensive. That's exactly right. Isn't that the rule?
1: I'm pretty sure it is. As long as you are that area, you can.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that was a good, if not unique uh, rendition of the jingle. But what is actually going on in
3: the newsaroos? Uh, We did find out, I guess in September it was now, but we're going to tell it to you like it's brand new. Uh, Google has been changing their search term filtering, and it's probably going to cost you a lot of money. Um, (laughs) So They reduced the percentage of actual queries they show within their search terms report in, in Google Ads, so we don't have complete visibility anymore into what queries actually triggered our ads. So this makes it really difficult to know what to add to our negative keyword lists since we don't know uh, probably a good, in some cases, 20 to 30 percent of the queries that actually triggered our ads and whether they were qualified or not. Um, pairing that with how they've recently expanded the close variance, we really don't know what's <laughs> what's actually triggering our ads. So. This just makes making an accurate negative keyword list much, much more difficult. Um, Obviously, Google claims this is due to privacy concerns. Uh, Tinfoil hat people will say that this is them just trying to put more money in their pocket. Um, But I think it just goes to show that you you need to be very on top of your game when it comes to the keyword lists that you put into Google and as refined as you can possibly be. Otherwise, you will be wasting money.
1: So, Phil, how does kind of walk me through their position on privacy concerns? Cause I, uh, short of it having like a personal information in the search term,
3: right? So that's the problem. From? They say there's, they, they say it's, you know, because of privacy, there is no personally identifiable information uh, that you could learn through. Wait, the search wait. When support. you're searching for a hotel, you don't say, "I need a hotel,"
0: and my name is Phil Fariska. You don't type that into a search engine.
3: Uh, I, I do. I don't know about you guys, but we'll yeah. see. No, I do. I, I type, but I my name's Phil in, Fariska too. I always type
1: in hotel deals for, and then I put my social security number in, but I, I guess I'm in the minority
0: here. Yeah, though. that's that's
3: really smart. I mean, I've team.
0: tried before. I don't know if you've tried this, but I would sometimes just put my credit card right into the Google search just to see if I can
3: book a hotel quickly and efficiently. Yeah. Um, realistically, why it becomes a privacy concern uh, I would imagine would be something like a lower search volume term if you're running it in a very refined geographic area and somebody searches it and then makes a booking, you could, or a purchase, whatever your industry is, you could kind of tie it back to that specific person through your own data. you would have to go. There's there's an argument to be had there,
0: especially depending on the subject that's being searched. You know, if you're like searching for symptoms of a disease, something like that, you could get into some, some sketchy areas. So I I get it. But for the majority of terms, I mean, this isn't going to be a problem. The good thing is it does seem that there is, seems to be a correlation that the the terms they're not showing are the very low volume terms, which means that you're not necessarily wasting a lot of money. So for example, when, uh, COVID hit and we saw a lot of people searching for hotel name cancellation or hotel name COVID policies or whatever. And you may not want to be bidding on those kind of keywords because the volume was high enough. They would probably still show up. But yeah, just well, that's another, part of their,
3: another part of their ambiguity is uh, it says that they will show anything with a significant amount of volume without telling us what significant truly means yeah uh, but i mean like i said that there have been you know in the in the ppc world and all over ppc chats people saying that we're losing uh, 20 to 30 percent of our visibility into into queries that are actually triggering our ads which i mean that's rough because that can add up to thousands of dollars over the course of a year um, of, of these unqualified searches that are triggering your ads. But really, there's, there's not much we can do about it other than you know, focusing on the stuff that, that really works for you. Um, there are scripts you can run to see if you know, certain campaigns are, are seeing more or less visibility. We can share that as well. Um, but it, it's just a, another, another complexity that goes into the PPC world.
0: Never easy, is it? So we'll link to that Search Engine Land um, article that kind of digs into that a little deeper. And if you need help navigating that, you can always reach out to us, info at fueltravel.com. We can help advise. We've been doing a lot recently where we'll just pop a, pop the hood and look into people's PPC accounts and just just kind of give them a, a quick once-over and give them some advice. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, then just info at fueltravel.com. And then right behind that, we got another Newsaroo article. Who wants to take this one?
2: I'll take this one, it's my friends at Facebook. They're changing their attribution model, imagine that. They are going to be doing away with the 28 day click attribution. And it will be reverting by default to a seven day attribution going forward after October 12th. So that's kind of a big deal. It's going to be a lot less in the Facebook realm of potentially what they're going to be able to claim as revenue or conversions. Yeah,
0: this is an interesting one. I think it brings them in alignment with some other ad platforms, and it's definitely a more accurate um, metric to use. But it's on the surface, you know, because this is coming soon. This is October 12th. This is going to happen. There's going to be people that flip open their accounts and start looking, and they're going to be like, hey, my performance just dropped dramatically overnight. What's going on here? And it's really not that it's performing any worse. It's just, you know, this is the tricky thing with attribution. There isn't a one-size-fits-all. There isn't a this-is-how-you-should-attribute things. It's what what feels right to you or, or, you know, what's trending right for you over time because you've settled on the right model that you want. So... Interesting one. Something you definitely need to pay attention to because it's going to change how you look at your data moving forward.
1: And I really, I really like this direction too because we've always battled this when we look at from an analytics perspective, where you know, internally we're using different attribution models in Facebook, and then you have a say a social media company saying that they're blowing the doors off um, from a marketing perspective, and then when you drill down, you're like, well, that's actually not so much the case. This is going to help us kind of get everything more, a little bit online with, I think, reality.
2: And Facebook does have the ability in their tool to actually compare what that change is going to look like. So you can compare the 28-day cookie versus the 7-day model and actually see before they do away with this what your data would look like today.
3: Yeah, I think that's the real important takeaway here is this is going away October 12th and historical data will be available till then. So make sure you go into your uh, Facebook uh, business ads there and collect all your historical data so you have something to truly compare to and then then you'll be able to know, you know, whether or not your new ads are performing similarly to your old ads. Um but, again, we have a, a link to a Search Engine Journal article here. Um, they break down how you need to go about uh, collecting that historical data. But you don't have much time, so we suggest you get in there quickly. Come visit our site and then leave our site to go see Search Engine Journal.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like we we probably need to do another attribution episode soon because it's still a hot topic. You know, I sit on the HSMAI um, Marketing Advisory Board and – Every year, we kind of go through and say, what are the hot top topics we want to want to tackle and talk about? And for the two years I've been on that board, last year and this year during COVID, one of the top three things has been attribution modeling. It's something everyone struggles with. It's something no one really has clarity on. For me, I think the challenge really is that there's a lot of bad actors in our industry that are reporting data as favorably as they can for themselves, right? So this would be an example where Facebook's basically saying if someone saw an ad, at any point at 28, within 28 days afterwards, that person books, we're going to claim that that that's we're going to attribute that to us. That, that you know some of that's true, but it's it's not the whole truth. And I really like we we had this conversation earlier internally. One of our um, sister companies has a, has a portal website and, and it sells advertising listings and we, we're now going to show our clients both a direct click revenue and an attributed view through revenue and so the, the and, and they can we can change the days on that if we want but the, the key point is we want our, our advertisers to understand well here's what we definitely know we contributed here's what we probably assisted and the, the real number, the real value, is probably somewhere in between those two numbers. And, and each person's going to feel you know, slightly differently about where, where it falls for them. But I can't say this enough. You have to control your own analytics. You have to feel comfortable with the data that you're receiving. Do not, do not, do not trust third parties to tell you how well they're performing because they're always going to spin it as glass half full And they're always going to put themselves in the best possible light, which is why this attribution theft is real. Is a hashtag that we keep talking about a lot on the show. We haven't for a while.
1: It's not even so much that they're trying to overinflate their numbers. But we've talked about, like you said, there's so many different attribution models. Only you can normalize that data by using one attribution model across all of your marketing platforms well,
0: or, or, or multiple right because it's it's i don't think it is a one-size-fits-all i think you know True. if i'm looking at say early <laughs> in funnel advertising my attribution value might be different than something that's at the end of the funnel like a last click kind of thing so i mean even looking at say even on the same platform say i'm looking at um google ads in, and i'm trying to compare um chopper funnel stuff like hotels in austin texas versus reviews for my actual hotel. right? There, there's, those are different people at different points in the funnel, and I might be willing to pay more to get the attention of that person at that point, depending on where they are. So I don't think you have to have one attribution model. I think you can use multiple, understand what they each mean, what the weaknesses are, what the strengths are, and then use them all as a trend over time to say... Where should I invest my money? Where should I reduce budget? Where should I increase budget? But don't ignore it. That's not going to help. Pay attention. All right. So there you have it. That's the news of ruse. And speaking of attribution theft, I am telling you what this, this topic today that we're going to be talking about the third party cookie thing there's a lot of those, uh, I'd say, ne'er do well bad actors in the industry that rely heavily on third-party cookies that do a terrible job at attribution, and they are the attribution thieves that we despise so much here. So they're probably having a little bit of a hard time with this third-party cookie situation going on. So what is it? Let's unpack that today, Fuligan style. So let's kick off at the very beginning, shall we? I what didn't number them. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. They're questions. We can, we can handle okay. questions. That They're, they're sequential in nature I, I, i'll accept this it's not like a listicle is it it so is not it's more of a how-to kind of informational so let's start with the very first question the the blazing question that's on everyone's mind it's it's not how do you pronounce reese's or reese's it's what in the heck phil is a cookie and what do they do it's a delicious
3: treat no i'm just kidding All right, cookies. You know what? You
0: may be the first person ever to make that joke.
3: I don't think anyone's ever. (laughs) I get it. The two before. Uh, Cookies are just little pieces of code. Um, They're stored on a user's browser or mobile device. Um, Really, what they do is help identify an individual user and track their behavior. I'm sure most of you are aware of that, but we're just kind of going to give you a little breakdown, Um, and then. We'll take a look at what the difference between a first-party cookie is and a third-party cookie. Because the third-party one is the one we're talking about that's going away. So first-party is when a site cookies a user directly, and to, that collects analytics data. Um, it can remember specific settings like like the person's preferred language or uh, information they put into a form field or you know what was in their cart. So those type of cookies that you place directly on a user are, are first-party. And then third party cookies the ones that are going away are the ones that are placed by a site other than the one the user is on and they're used for remarketing purposes cross site tracking and creating lookalike audiences things like that so that's what that's what we're going to lose in in a little while coming up here um and in some cases already have lost but yeah really really the difference is first party is you know, a, a site that you're on cookies you. Third party is a site that you're not on has cookied you. Yeah. So think, think of a
0: cookie as it's, it's really often just a simple textile that's stored on the machine, your machine related to your browser. So it, it can have any information that, that you've entered or behaved in a certain way stored in it. So say, for example, I come to the FUELS, Fuels website and there's a login. For me and I, I want to log in and say that I'm gonna um, to to access some kind of download or something like that. When I put in my email address, I put in my password, that 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 session that's created to say that I'm now active and I, I'm identified as Stuart, it may identify in the text file as this is Stuart Butler. It may be some kind of identifier like a unique number that rep that identifies me that then that website can actually read that file and then look it up in a database. But it's it's just basically some information about me stored in a text file somewhere on my machine. Now, if I'm the site, if it's a first-party cookie, it's it's like Fuel Travel's the one that wrote that, that information and Fuel Travel's the one that reads it. So the only time that information can get accessed is when that consumer's coming back to FuelTravel.com. Now, if Pete has his his nefarious website, like, I don't know what is your what is your bad website, Pete, that you have? Nefarious sneaky Pete. Pete. Sneaky Pete. com, right? Now, com could have a piece of code on my site, right? I might have installed a plugin that uses com. It might be that I'm running a tool that he has or he, he has some some kind of tracking beacon, whatever it is. Now, when I load fueltravel.com, there's a little code from com that loads on the site, and it can write and read the the uh, the cookies as well. Now, that's what's going away. Sneaky Pete won't be able to write and read cookies related to FuelTravel.com when this is blocked. So Yeah,
3: basically you won't see the SneakyPete.com ads following you around the internet because yeah. they have your cookie. And now, that's the may, primary reason of doing it, right? Words. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, reasons.
1: I have i'm not i don't own sneaky pete or (laughs) i really
0: don't know what that is that could be not affiliated with sneaky pete don't go check that out no it's a
1: it redirects to sneaky pete holsters
0: okay i I don't expect myself
1: to to under have something like this but uh yeah i don't have any interest in sneaky pete.com
0: i know what i'm
3: getting you for christmas
0: (laughs) sneaky pete holster all right, so the reason that someone like Sneaky Pete might do third-party cookies is because they want to track across multiple websites. So if Melissa had a site, Phil had a site, and I had a site, Sneaky Pete could have his code on all three of those sites, track the same user across them. So if um, anyone that's listening, let's say Terry, friend of the show Terry, she she was she visited Stuart's site, Sneaky Pete would gain some data on her, then, he'd, then she would visit um, Phil's site. Pete would gather more data and track, and now he knows, ah, oh, he's interested in this. Now he might serve an ad for Melissa's site because he, she knows now that, or Sneaky Pete now knows that there's an interest there, and so that's how they can target. That's how a lot of ad networks work. They'll collect data on multiple sites and use that to target you to other sites or advertise to you. So that is what's going away, but not quite yet. So let's talk about what's happening and when it's happening.
2: Well, I'm eating all the cookies and therefore they're going away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yum, 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 yum,
2: yum. So, this is not new news. This has been going on for actually quite some time now. Firefox has been third party cookie free since yeah, September 2019 ish. And that's by default. Um, Apple has been third party cookie free more recently. They decided to do that during COVID. So, they're, they're, They've been done since March, 2020. But what the big news is and why everybody is now freaking out is that Google has said they're doing away with third party cookies as well. They will be phasing out over the next two years. And uh, that's what's going to happen. And Chrome has over 60% of the market share when it comes to browsers. So that is why everyone is losing their minds now.
0: It's crazy to me. I, i i I did a sanity check this past week and called some of the smart people in my life and asked them what they really thought the fallout from this was going to be because I just don't see if you're doing things well currently, it's not a big deal. Now, if you're one of those attribution thief massive companies that relies solely on third party cookies to target people and and then claim attribution for ads that didn't really have an impact you might be in a little trouble but if you're just if you're a regular hotel you're doing the things that we talk about in the show every day this is probably not going to be a big deal to you overall you might want to change some things that you should have probably been doing anyway but this isn't going to have a devastating impact like a lot of people would have you believe if you have vendors right now telling you that this is the end of the world tell them politely that you no longer require their services cuz they're not doing things in your best interest <laughs> gauntlet <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i so badly want to name names i'm not going to do it if if you email us info fuel com, i might i might say names just saying
3: just not publicly no i wouldn't the class act you no. are story well I, i've
0: ne- just as melissa's never been described as sweet i've never been described as a class act either so <laughs> all right so what does this mean for your marketing um, strategy let's jump into
3: that yeah, and and like you said, this shouldn't affect you significantly. And if it does, you're probably doing things wrong in the first place. The the largest impact that this will have on you will will likely be your retargeting strategy, kind of the stuff we mentioned before. Um, you're not going to be able to follow people around the internet with with your ads because of you know the third party cookies are going away. Um, so. There are going to be ways around this, and and Google doesn't want to lose a ton of money when people who do a lot of remarketing based on things like page visits or or anything like that. so they're they're working through this thing that they have announced called Privacy Sandbox. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds essentially. They what what you need to know is Google is working on a way around this. Um, they're going to try to do it through through browsers and not cookies um, and different ways to track attribution or um, track a conversion by calling APIs, all this behind the scenes stuff, you don't really need to worry about. Just know that Google working on a way around this third-party cookie, so we're still going to have programmatic advertising in the future, it's just going to look a little different in the way we get it done.
2: Because let's face it, Google needs to make money, so they'd be shooting themselves in the foot if they just completely did away with this.
3: Right, yeah, but right. what exactly. they're
0: doing is they're kind of creating a walled garden, right? Because they're going to create a proprietary solution, browser-based solution for doing this tracking, but it's going to prevent other folks from doing it. so well they're
3: they're also working with some larger companies, Amazon being one, uh, I think Apple even they're working with was another. Um, they're creating a a giant walled garden between all of them where they will keep all of your data and it can be only accessed through some kind of encrypted uh you know w- encrypted format where it's just not going to be out there for the world to see um it's I get, it sounds a little scary and it sounds you know like a good thing all at the same time i don't necessarily know where i stand on it personally but um there there will be a way around this well, I mean, I think
1: what it means for anybody is something is changing, and the people who adapt the fastest and the best are the ones that are going to see a more immediate benefit. You well, know, what's you, your sailing
0: like, thing, Pete? What's the what's the sailing analogy you used at the beginning of COVID? So, I have an old map from my grandfather,
1: of and I actually just finished getting it framed at Michaels. It's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Was it hey? Is it Michaels or Michael's?
2: <laughs> I'm sure that's Michael.
1: So yeah, so it goes: the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, but the realist adjusts the sails. And that's by William Arthur Ward. Is who said that? It's
0: dash Peterman. Trust me. <laughs> it's like that Michael Scott thing where he he does the uh, Wayne Gretzky quote: "You miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take." Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. My, my son actually has a poster. <laughs> of that in his room, which has, it's quoted. And then it's Michael Scott quoting the
3: quote. It's funny. Yeah. That, that (laughs) quote is on the wall in the fuel offices downstairs. It is. We have have many quotes on the wall. That is the only quote that's not attributed to somebody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? My, my favorite one is don't ask permission. That's, that's my favorite quote that's on the wall. Because it's your get out of jail card. If you do anything, then you screw up. You, you can just point it that and say, hey, you told me not to ask permission. So there you go.
1: It's, that's it's the true. George Costanza uh, defense.
0: <laughs> oh, you're comparing me to George Costanza. Thanks.
3: All right. Let me cover one more thing, complete. what it means for your marketing strategy before we move on to the next part. So... One last thing to talk about here is Facebook, which we mentioned earlier. They do offer a first-party cookie. Uh, it it may be something that you've already changed, but if you haven't, we suggest you do. Um, you can check your settings. We're going to provide the link exactly where to find it in Facebook, but you can switch to a first-party cookie uh, right within Facebook. So you won't have to lose all of this awesome stuff.
0: Yeah, the other one I get asked about, too, is Google Analytics. Like, a lot of this, some confusion about what is this going to impact Google Analytics? Melissa, do you want to, do you want to jump in on that one?
2: Yes, the answer is it's not, because Google Analytics works on a first-party cookie. How about that?
0: Yeah. It it's almost like they knew time. this was going to happen. Yeah. What? Who would have done? Not all analytics systems do, though. Which, that is correct.
2: Uh, back in the day, Adobe used to be a third-party cookie. Uh, it still is unless you go and in, like basically re-implement it and do some fancy things to make it a first-party cookie. So by default, it is not a yeah. first-party cookie.
0: Yeah, so if you're using Adobe Analytics or what used to be called Omniture, then you may want to check that you got that implemented right because otherwise you might be seeing, I mean, even now, you, you're not seeing the full picture of data. and Certainly once Chrome switches over, you're going to, Lose a big chunk of visibility. So you better,
3: better yeah, pay once, attention. I mean, since what would we say, September 2019, when Firefox removed it, that was probably a, a hefty chunk there.
0: Yeah. So, you know, someone listening to this show right now is going, that's why my traffic dropped in <laughs> <from> September 2019. <2019." laughs> You're welcome. All righty, moving on. So, we want to get some tangibles going.
2: We that's are we all do. about tangibles
3: all right so what do you guys need to do to adjust your strategy the number one most important thing you can do is making sure that your first party data is a top priority across your entire organization from operations to marketing collecting first party data and storing it in a crm properly is really going to save the day for you even if you're especially if you're one of those companies that relies heavily on retargeting in third-party cookies.
2: I was going to say, if you get nothing else out of this podcast it is worth it's $0 that it costs you to listen to this just for this. Like this is the most important thing.
0: Yeah. And it's something we preached again and again, like in your, in your fight against everything, your your fight for new business, your fight to recover from COVID, your fight against uh, the OTA reliance, everything comes back to this this pivotal, foundational thing right here, which is, and, and I'm going to quote our good friend to the show, Tim Peter. When he says, content is king, customer experience is queen, and data is the crown jewels. This is what he's talking about, the crown jewels right here. The first party data you have or that you can collect that no one else can, where you can get to know your guest more than Facebook, more than anyone else, related to how they feel about you, how they interact with you. Now, sure, Facebook's going to know more about their psychographics and their their behaviors on a global scale, but they're not going to know what room types that person looked at, what packages, what what search dates they're looking for. This information that is critical to you, and it's only critical if you're using it, and the only way you can use it is by capturing it and storing it. So, looking at things like your mobile app, do you have a mobile app? Number one, if you don't, you should. But that's data you can collect, you can leverage, writing that data from your mobile app, from your website forms, from your email behavior, everything back to a central database of every guest. That is going to be what saves you through all of this nonsense. Because if, if you don't have a third-party cookie to be able to retarget, guess what? You can have a first-party cookie or you can have data that you're capturing because you know that Pete, is Pete. You've identified him with a first-party cookie on your website, so you know when he comes back to your website, you can now trigger maybe a shopping cart abandonment. You can trigger a re-engagement email or a text message or a push notification. Whatever your cross-channel communication strategy is, you can do all of that if you're collecting data through first-party cookies in, yeah. into your CRM.
3: I think it's really, really important to, to mention here that you know, Google's getting rid of third-party cookies. They're not getting rid of targeting people uh, with a customer match email list. So, if you have someone's email, you have their and you have their their name and everything you need to know about them to make a really refined segment. Um, you can still do remarketing lists for search ads. You can still do display ads to specific people. That's not going away. So that's why it's so important to collect this first-party data. And and I know Stuart mentioned. Um, a few of these digital aspects, the the mobile app, email, website forms, don't be afraid to get your, your operations involved too. So if your front desk is asking people questions, the call center is asking them questions, um, if you have in-room questionnaires, I mean, it's going to take a little more legwork for you to get that type of information into the CRM, but it can be incredibly helpful for you in the long run if you do those things.
0: Right. So, so an example of that might be that someone lets you know hey, when we're coming, it's going to be our anniversary. They let the call center know that, right? Well, maybe the call center could write that into the PMS in the reservation and that information can go back into your CRM so that when you're communicating with them, well, one, you can give them a great experience and maybe give them something extra on property. But then when you're communicating with them afterwards, your your posts say, maybe it's how was your anniversary, we're glad, but now you know it's their anniversary, maybe you tag that with a date, maybe you can target them, next year for their anniversary again there's a lot you can do with little nuggets of data that you collect but only if you collect and store it in in a way that's organized that, that's and you strategically figure out how to target it that's don't just collect data for the sake of it you've got to figure out what you're going to do with that data before you collect it
2: garbage in garbage out
0: yeah for sure but I think this first party data is something that people overlook. Like they say, like when I say, what are your owned assets? And people start telling me how big their Facebook list is. I'm like, "That, that's that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, that is an asset, but that's rented space. To communicate with those people, you're going to have to pay money. You're not going to be able to reach them without paying money. There's there's a landlord there that or gatekeeper there that's going to pre- prevent you from having open communications with these people. You've got to focus on your own asset, your email database, your your cell phone list so you can send text messages, and the one that we've seen a lot of action with recently is the mobile app. If you can get people to download a mobile app, you've now got them in your walled garden when no one else sees that behavior. Google doesn't even know that they're lo- looking for a hotel. So there's no chance of your competitors targeting them with ads. There's no chance of them ending up on an OTA website because they're going straight back to the app because you're driving them back there and they're going to book direct with you. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's, it's the whole, the walled garden, the walled garden reference that you just use with Google as well as you need to create that own walled garden also within your own business, you know, maximize those owned assets. So you can, and we've talked about this on the on the email marketing podcast and everything else is if you can proactively let your guest know it's a great time to travel based on when they've traveled in the past, you can completely circumvent them hitting search engines, hit them, prevent them from getting to Facebook first before any of your competitors ever even know that a potential guest was ready to travel. So that stuff is not changing. This is just an opportunity to kind of you know give you a little push. To, uh, to get you moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and this is more important now than it's ever been because more now than ever because people's behavior is changing and, and you can't rely on the old patterns. There's a good chance that a lot of people are going to be taking more frequent, shorter trips. So you're going to be out of influence when they do that, especially as people aren't looking at these, you know, planning six months of, in advance, two-week international vacation. They're looking at two, three-hour drive market, two, three-day stays, right? that That's going to be our bread and butter for the next six to 12 months. You can inspire that with great targeted communication. Collecting data is the way you can get to that.
3: Yeah, and I think it's important to say, you know, collect as much data as you can. I know you say garbage in, garbage out, but if you have a uh, very organized way to collect this data within your CRM, Um, you can go ahead and and sort that and segment it later. So finding, you know, just just collecting information about, like you mentioned, when someone booked, when did someone book, when did they actually stay, how did they book with you, how did they find you, where did they choose you, you know, who were they traveling with, like that anniversary type of stuff, or did they travel with their kids, did they travel with their spouse, did they travel with the whole family, Um, demographic makeup, uh, so trying to get age, gender, race, marital status, you know, how many children they have, income level, um, disabilities, to, if they, if you know they need a disability type room, or uh, sorry, an accessible type room, um, all of that is incredibly important to, to building a guest profile, knowing their phone number to be able to reach out from a phone call from your call center, that type of stuff is is incredibly important. Um, and it can, it can build a complete guest profile.
1: And I would say with this, I want you to be a little bit careful because Phil, what you said is absolutely correct. But if we take a little bit of a step back and look at GDPR requirements, it specifically says, don't collect personal data that you don't need and don't store that data if it's not necessary. So before you go collecting all the data in the world, have a plan laid out of how that data is going to achieve your business goals, make the customer experience better and help put heads in beds. If you're just collecting data for the sake of collecting data, it can get into a gray area in terms of PII and privacy concerns. Yeah. I think it depends on
0: what the data is and and what your intent is with with the data for sure. I think if you, if you listen to our GDPR episode back in the day, we talked Congratulations about, if you'd listened yeah, to
1: that by the way.
0: Yeah, and they're still listening now. It's very impressive. But we, we talked about the need to map out your data flow, right? To understand what data you're collecting and map that out. Like literally draw a diagram of all the places you're collecting data, what data you're collecting, and add to that why you're collecting it. How is that data being used? I think that that's important because you're right. You could you could go to the nth degree and collect so much like what they ordered for breakfast while they were there are you ever going to target based on that are you ever going to leverage that data to to help improve the guest experience maybe maybe because now you know that they have a favorite breakfast and you can offer it to them at a discount next time they come or something like that but maybe not and if you're not going to use it then don't collect it definitely the prudent thing to do with all the privacy concerns
3: that are out there all righty what's next Next is, you know, we just talked about collecting all of this data um, and using it properly. But you need to pay close attention to what it's telling you, especially now before, you know, third-party cookie stuff goes away. Um, So things like, you know, knowing what time of day or the day of the week people are visiting your site, uh, that's important to know. um, What does that say about the pages people are visiting. Uh, what type of info does that provide you? Can you adjust your paid and social strategies based on that type of data? You know what what type of sites are referring the highest quantity and quality of traffic to you? Um, you know, as third-party cookies go away, you can't just follow people around the internet. Follow people around the internet anymore. Um, do you have any other opportunities with your top referring sites? Can you create a partnership with them? Um, do they offer you know proprietary ad space that you may want to purchase? Uh, those are the type of things you need to look into you know, when when you're looking at your data. Um, yeah, can I jump in there can, and talk about yeah. the
0: the day and time thing that you just mentioned? So, sure. I I think there's a there's a there's a risk or or phenomenon I guess related to the fallacy of averages, right? So so what a lot of people do is they'll say, okay, my peak time on my website is. Wednesdays at six PM. right? The average time that people come or whatever is, is, is then. But that might be when the you know the the highest peak hits, but it might be the majority of people are coming at other times than that. So you gotta make sure that you're treating people as individuals. So one of the things you could do with in, in that case is you could create segments within your database and say, okay, I've identified that this person typically comes in the morning, this person typically comes around Noon, this person typically comes in the afternoon. Those can, and you can tag that throughout your whole database using your own first party cookies or writing directly from your website to your CRM. You can start grouping people, segmenting people. And then, and this is this is one of the things I love about our CRM product with BlueShift is we can build dynamic segments on the fly and automatically segment that out to or syndicate that out to third party advertising. So without the use of any third party cookies, we can identify that Melissa comes in the morning, Pete comes in the evening and then put them automatically into segment buckets that create remarketing lists in in Facebook and Google that then I can manipulate when I target them and with what messaging and things like that. So I mean really did, everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, like I'm looking at this this one person in particular within our platform and their predictive affinity says they prefer email and they prefer to receive email around 1 p.m. So, yes, you can market to a, a large mass of people, but you can market to them each as individuals. Like, like, sort well, of like you said, that's the Google, point, Facebook, right? Facebook website
3: and You're email.
0: Al- always target target an audience of one. You, I you mean, guys, that's always the
3: case you guys make a very, very good point there. Um, I guess I didn't specify what, what I'm talking about in terms of pay, take close attention to your data. If you're, if you're a property that has very minimal marketing budget and you can only spend, you know, certain amount of money per day and say, you know, you want to spend your PPC budget as effectively as possible because of these privacy concerns that Google's putting in privacy, things that Google's putting in place, um, you want to be reaching people and spending your budget as effectively as possible on paid platforms at the right time. You don't necessarily need to be running all day long. Uh, if you know that hours, you know, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. are when you're receiving the most awareness traffic and then 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. is when you're receiving the most conversion traffic. Uh, that, that type of stuff is what I'm talking about. Pay attention to Um, for for your other paid efforts where one-to-one isn't necessarily an option anymore because of these privacy concerns.
0: Gotcha. All right, let's keep going.
3: Right. So I think understanding why people are joining your email lists is incredibly important as well. And we've talked about this in the past. So did someone sign up for your newsletter because they want to learn more about your property? Did they sign up for... A deals specific newsletter why why are they joining your list and what can you do to speak to that person or that group of people specifically
0: yeah it's it's about you know what what is the expectation you should one you should be spelling that out for GDPR and it's the right thing to do you should be telling people when they sign up what they should expect it to receive you're right this this kind of person that you collect the email address because they just booked with you versus the kind of person that just signs up for specials or that you maybe you had a downloadable area guide on your website that each one of those intent is is different and therefore what should happen next should be different not all emails are created equal I mean I I would say it's, it's the same on our website right we we have downloads where you can download an SEO checklist and then we have contact requests where if you just want to contact us and then we have demo requests where you've been on a specific product page like you looked at our CRM page and you said I, I request a demo each one of those goes through a different funnel each one of those goes through a different work cycle if you request a demo we're going to jump right on it and say Okay, let's let's talk about what your needs are and, and when we can get that scheduled. If it's contact us, we're gonna not send that to a salesperson. It's gonna go to a customer support person to try to understand what they're requesting before it gets routed. And if you're just downloading some kind of document, we're not gonna hit you up and hard sale you. We might not even respond to you because you just provided an email address for um in in exchange for a download. And maybe you'll just get on our email database or something, you know, on our newsletter list or something. So you've got to do the same as a hotel. You've got to look at why people are giving you permission to send them communication, what they're expecting and how do you deliver on that expectation.
3: And then I think there's, there's a couple really important things we need to talk about uh, to finish up here Um, because we're losing some of this capability of retargeting based on, you know what we know about somebody based on cookies. Google is not giving giving up that information. They're still creating really great audiences and and groups of people that that they know using their first party data that they're allowing us to still use. So um, you know it depends on what type of hotel you are, but you may want to be targeting luxury travelers or family vacationers or outdoor enthusiasts or health and fitness buffs, all of that type of audience targeting is still available to you uh, within Google. So while programmatic might go away, you can utilize this type of stuff. Um, other audiences, I mean, they get, they get in, in detail. So like parents of kids aged 0 to 1 or parents of kids aged 1 to 3, 3 to 6, 6 to 12, whatever, I mean, you can – you can reach these these specific groups: recently retired people. Um, that type of messaging will change. Recently married people. You can send them honeymoon uh, articles like that, or uh, honeymoon ads. That that type of stuff. So the audiences are still there. And then you can pair that with Google's new discovery campaigns. So discovery campaigns, if you're not familiar, they're they're highly visual, personalized ad experiences. Um, and they're they're served on YouTube, uh, the Watch Next feeds, Gmail promotions. So within your you know Gmail inbox, these will show up, as well as Google's Discover uh, feature that people have been using like crazy, and I don't see that going away. They've been pushing it, and and these ads are, are definitely reaching the right people at the right time because you're pairing that with Google audiences, um, and and. and I think uh, one of the, one of the things that you also need to understand is the 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 bidding strategies here are either maximize conversions, so you're going to get as many conversions as you possibly can for a certain group, or target CPA, which I think will make a lot of sense with these discovery campaigns. You tell Google, hey, um, I only want to spend forty dollars per conversion, so send ads on that rate for me of people you know who are about to book and you'll likely get it i mean they're they're pretty good with these these bidding strategies but um if you're not using discovery campaigns yet i highly recommend you get on that and you refine your audience targeting within discovery and this is something that's going to be extremely effective as third party cookies go away great
0: that's good so hopefully we've given you a little bit more of an understanding of What's going on with this cookie? So next time you see a sensational headline, which to be fair, we'll probably we need to figure out what we're going to call this episode. It'll probably be a sensational. You know headline. what? This
3: was the first time that I've ever seen the death of PPC. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> this is true. It's an SEO killed it.
3: Yeah, SEO SEO has been dead. Its zombie came back and killed PPC. I don't know. Yeah. Something like you know the cookies are getting stale. I don't know
0: oh punny very punny well hopefully you got something from that if if you're interested in learning more about it or or you you want to take your hotel marketing to the next level with a world-class ai-powered crm uh that can that can help eliminate some of the the risks that are going to occur from this fuel has you covered just go to our website fueltravel.com look at our solutions page we talk about the products there or just shoot us an email info at fueltravel.com we can we can hook you up with a demo and see if if you like what you see. You can always
3: uh, purchase that. So, and if you're if you're relying on a advertising partner that is relying on third party cookies, you need to dump that chump and come over to Fuel. <laughs> <laughs> dump that chump.
2: Dump that chump.
0: Hey, well, you know who's not a chump?
2: Who's that?
0: We Char- have a couple. We have a couple of people who are not chumps. Pete, you want to do? We need a jingle. We need a jingle for this. What, what's that listener feedback jingle? Mil- do you remember Misha used to do the Blues Clues thing? Remember that? We just got no, a letter. No. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. This letter
1: from Jaha One. And it was uh, left on iTunes. We definitely appreciate that. That helps us in the, the algorithms and the craziness. That
0: oh, oh, Pete, by the way, they, this person, although they didn't say it in the – Actual review. They did email me personally and said they wanted you to read this in an Italian accent. <laughs>
1: okay, <laughs> well, because I'm Italian, I can do that.
0: Yeah, it's not offensive. Just like you're Southern, great. so it's not offensive. A great you just-
1: podcast for the hospitality biz. S- started listening about four months ago. High quality, very thoughtful discussions on hospitality, tech trends, and marketing tips to help hotels and travel marketers succeed. Keep up the good work. Ciao!
0: Hey, you sound more like Borat. <laughs> I was gonna say that was, that <laughs> was your ancestors are rolling in the grave. If I start
1: Borat. with Italian, I, I turn into Russian, and if I start with English, I turn into Australian. So, yeah, that, my strong suit's hotel marketing, not
0: good not accents. All right, well, that was awesome. That was from Jar Cha One. That was it, left, but wait, but there's wait, there's more. There's more. So this, this one was
1: from Cassandra, and she's gonna get it. In my voice. So it says, the best. Thank you so much for providing such amazing, useful content. It gave me actionable ideas before the pandemic, but then absolutely exceeded in helping my hotel marketing stay afloat during these crazy times. Also, so helpful to hear what's going on out there in the industry through the surveys. Thank you, guys, and please never stop making this podcast Blue heart emoji. Oh, we like emojis. So we sweet. like emojis. Now that's really nice. good.
0: thank you, Cassandra. And that
1: was very nice. That's basically a shout out to Melissa.
0: It really was because Melissa's yep. hard work on the surveys. Yeah. Good job. Thank you guys. So our shout out for reviews worked. So we need to keep doing that. By my reckoning, we we probably asked for reviews in that last episode. What? I don't know six or seven times. I'd got say two, that's fair. We got reviews. two reviews. So if if we up that, if we if we start asking for like for it twelve times an episode, we'll get like four four reviews every episode. Right right, so. right,
1: right around thirty percent conversion rate right now. That, that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> Review that's conversion pretty, rate.
1: Hey, so since Melissa kind of got a little shout out here, we should ask her if she's watched any good movies and or documentaries recently. Oh yeah. Do that then. Go ahead. Hey Melissa, have you watched any good movies and or documentaries recently?
2: I have. I I watched the social dilemma because Facebook, ironically, was a flutter about the social dilemma, so I have no <laughs> like and decided to watch it.
3: The irony then, is that you learned it, it through us. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We were
3: we were, we were all pressured by Melissa to then go watch this documentary. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet. I'll be honest. I'm about halfway
0: through, and it's scared in the living. Jesus out of me, but yeah. So, so next episode, what we're going to do is is kind of like a a, a talk along, I guess. Well, it's not a talk along because we're not going to be watching it. But we're going to do a recap review show, just talking about the social dilemma and the implications for society and for hotel marketers. So, if you want to know what we're talking about, and hop on over to Netflix and watch the Social Dilemma. I feel like it sounds like we're sponsored by this this show. We, we really I wish getting
3: that yeah, really. Netflix paycheck. <laughs>
0: yeah, would you do you want to kind of give a top level, Melissa, of what it's about, just so people understand why it, it's important it's, and what we're looking at?
2: The document is a little fear mongering, but it, it's sort of true. It, it's kind of both about how social media is. Mm, Possibly brainwashing some people, or just kind of taking over your thought process a little bit. Like I said, some fear mongering.
3: But how it's, it's really
2: changing—it's how it's changing people's behavior, and 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 how important that is. And it is important yeah. because it is happening.
0: Yeah, and we, I mean, we as marketers are part of the problem, or really the cause of the problem. But um, understanding it—one for yourself, and and knowing to be mindful, but then also understanding the influence. it's having on your consumer as well, your guests, and and maybe how to not take advantage of that, but being aware of it so that you can incorporate that into your strategy as well. So yeah, we'll we'll be talking about, so Netflix, The Social Dilemma, check it out, it's like an hour and 25 minutes, I think, it's a documentary, it's pretty freaking awesome and scary, a lot of the people that are interviewed on it are ex-Google, Facebook, Twitter folks that ended up Different realizing realizing that they, they were walking down a path that no one really anticipated this is the epitome of when when tim peter says when you invent the ship you invent the shipwreck i think i think this yes. is really analyzing the shipwreck that was created when social media was created so we, we look forward to discussing that in fine detail next episode
2: It'll be a very different episode than what we usually do, but I'm excited
3: about it. We may have we may have more than four on that episode too. This might be a
0: oh, spoiler.
3: Might be might be more than four people discussion because this is a pretty heated debate.
0: Yeah, I, everyone has opinions, and I think it's it's a it's a conversation that I would encourage everyone to have with their peer groups because I think the more people that have their eyes open and are aware of, you know. The, the influences that folks are having on them, I think the less influence those, those nefarious folks may have in the long run. So, yeah, it's a good conversation. Thank you for Melissa. This is your idea. So that means you will take all the credit. And if if no. the episode is pants, then you will <laughs> take the full blame as well. So That's right. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Please, please, please. Be an angel, be a star, be so sweet like Melissa and leave us a review because we love those. It makes our hearts warm, especially when you leave little
3: heart emojis in them as well. Uh, and, and How about this? So we know a few of you out there listen to our show all the time as we hear you tell us that you listen to the show, yet you haven't left a review. Yeah. I'm going to start calling you out by name.
0: <laughs> you know, we We should we're all we're all about manipulation here at fuel just like the social networks are. so you could absolutely do that now don't feel obliged but but we would really love it if you did and we will hold it against you for eternity if you don't so leave us a review it magically helps us with the algorithm we see more folks find us we see more folks getting helped by the advice that we give when you do leave a review so it's really your way to give back to the the Fuel Nation, to those honorary fueligans out there by leaving a review. I mean, really, it's the least you could do. I mean, come on. Just do it, as Melissa would say. Melissa, if people want to find you on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever, where, where would one do that?
2: On LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever.
0: <laughs> how How would they do that?
2: I am on LinkedIn at my name, Melissa Cavanaugh with a K know You or I am on Twitter at M A Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H.
0: And friend of yours from LinkedIn, we have to give a shout out because he pointed out that we did not follow your advice on our own website, Melissa.
2: That is true.
0: So we- Melissa's favorite catchphrase, always be testing. So I, I had to hold up my hands here. We we completely screwed up. So on what September 14th we made a change on our website to some of the forms that were collecting data and someone who shall remain nameless that did the change neglected to go test that and see that things were going to the right places and whatnot. and what resulted in is we got no notifications for about a week and a half that anyone was trying to contact us from our own website so that is embarrassing. But it happens, so when it happens to you, don't feel so badly about it. But remember, Melissa's famous words, always be testing. Always be testing. And Pete, if they want to find out more about you, where can they do that? They can follow me on Twitter at
1: P. P P-D-I-M-A-I-O, and also on LinkedIn under my name.
3: And Philip can find me on Twitter at Pforiska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A, or preferably LinkedIn. And thank you, Phil, for putting together the notes for today's show. If folks
0: have questions about the topic at hand, the third-party cookies, how it's going to affect you, shoot us a good old-fashioned email, info at travel.com. You can find me at Stuart Butler on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.
2: Peanut butter cups that are of the orange brand, the one's most well-known, is not Reese's. It is Reese's.
1: Yeah, Reese's.
2: It is not Reese's. i say Reese's. But half the world says it the wrong way.
1: No, Reese is the person who made them. If you go
2: back to the commercial where they used to sing the jingle, it was sung as Reese's. Reese's peanut butter cups. So says Reese.
1: Yes, we do. (laughs) Well, yeah, Reese's they they came out during the at the for the Terminator movie. Because it was Kyle Reese's (laughs)
0: dad's company. I'm pretty sure.